0: This is Toledo Symphony Lab, a behind-the-scenes look at the world of classical music from WGTE Public Media and your Toledo Symphony. I'm Brad Cresswell. Joining me today are the Toledo Symphony's president and CEO, Zach Vassar, our music director, Alain Trudel, principal second violin and artistic administrator, Merwin Sue, and we have a special guest today. That is a Toledo Symphony Lab newbie, Jory Jex, who is the Executive Director of the Historic Valentine Theatre in downtown Toledo. Hang on, Jory, I got a little... There we go. (laughs) Welcome to you. Thank you. Jory, you are Executive Director of the Valentine Theatre. We have a very special reason that you're here. First, before we get into that, I want to mention the upcoming concert, which is happening at the Valentine. It's called the Three B's. That's the letter B. And it's happening this Saturday, October 12th at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. You can find more information at ToledoSymphony.com. Now, we're going to talk about those three Bs and what that is all about. But first, we're going to talk about the uh, big news that's going on vis-a-vis the symphony and the valentine, and that is the new Shell. This is like a band shell operation, right? Uh, who it's wants a shell to take? Game. Yeah. <laughs> I knew there were all kinds of, you know, homophonic associations <laughs> with that. Uh, what can you tell us about the shell?
1: Well, the Valentine opened um, on Christmas Day, 1895, and since that time, it has always been the hope that there would be an orchestra shell in that facility. It reopened the theater in 1999. We still didn't have the orchestra shell, and so for the last 20 years, we've discussed how important it would be to include that. And so um, our group, together with the symphony, began to uh, start looking for funding to help us make that dream a reality, and we were able to do that. And over the last two years, we've worked very diligently and we were able to um, actually uh, have the shell constructed and it is ready to go. And we had a little soiree just last week to yeah. celebrate with, uh, you know, some folks who truly appreciated all the efforts.
0: Well, let's tell people what a shell is just to
2: make sure that they know what the purpose of this is. So, you know, when you're walking on the beach and you step on something with your foot.
0: <laughs> Take two. <laughs>
3: may, may I? Go ahead, Ellen. So please. please step in and please. Please. save this. <laughs> say that uh, let's say that you have a violin, and you have the strings, and you have the. the Mm. No, just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) Go ahead. Go ahead. I, I didn't say viola. So let's say a violin, and you have the bridge, and you know, your strings are all set up and all that, but you don't have the box that makes the sound, the body. No, the,
0: yeah. The, the reverberation,
3: yeah. the, the so, amplifier. Yeah. So the shell is what's around it, like, you know, the, the, like the, the bottom of it and around it, and the little box that helps mm-hmm. us make a sound that actually projects in the hall. And that's that's what the shell is.
0: So it's an amplifier. But if we're looking at it physically, how do we describe the shell? I mean, obviously it's named that for a reason. Yeah,
2: it's it's walls and a ceiling. And, and, um, you know, you want to think about... Uh, when you go to a theater, you typically just presume that the, this is part of the infrastructure, but um, you know the, the walls are angled at a particular uh, direction so that the sound uh, hits it and bounces out into the house. And then the same for the ceiling. There are panels that um, are made of particular materials and angled at certain directions so that the sound comes out into the house. One of the great things about the Valentine is its great intimacy um, as, as a house. You know it, the the music should fall right in your lap, but because it's a an operating theater, there's 80 feet above the stage yeah. where sets go, and when we perform there before any acoustic music would perform there, the sound goes straight up, and it's the same effect at the the Stranahan, for example. Uh, any theater will have that if it doesn't have a shell. So when we would do our Mozart concerts there or our family concerts there, the sound would go up not out. So the sound would be, you, you'd still hear the right pitches, but it wasn't going to fall in your lap. And it would have generally the, in my ear, the sound of, you know, turning your treble all the way to the left, all the way down.
0: Huh. Yeah. Well, George, well, you talk about this being a multi-year effort. In fact, you said, what, 20 years they've been talking about doing this sort of thing? That's correct. Yeah. Um, what was the the process then? I mean, I assume at some point you had to get somebody in to design the thing so it would fit the theater's aesthetic, right?
1: That's correct. And uh, the first group we reached out to is the Wenger Corporation, probably most well known throughout the country for their um, uh, the ability to create just these amazing structures. And we sat down because uh, we wanted, you know, we we were hoping that the symphony would utilize the peristyle on a more regular basis. It would create a stronger partnership. And, um, and that was very important to us, and we so enjoy working with the symphony.
0: So, so. Let's, go back. Let's go back. Did yes. you say the peristyle, or did <laughs> you mean the Valentine's? Oh, did I say yeah. the
1: peristyle? Oh, I'm so sorry. <laughs> I meant the Valentine's. <laughs> <laughs> I
2: mean, just said the
1: peristyle. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I looked at Elaine like, did I just hear that right? <laughs> you know what? The, the new guy at the museum didn't work out. They're going to bring you in now. <laughs>
1: about that peristyle a second ago so no the valentine so so we wanted to uh figure out what we could do and we just thought that it would enhance the valentine so much more to be able to have that but you know it's a huge project and it's also very costly so we by sitting down with wenger we discovered that it would be about a half million dollar project to do this and uh so by talking to the symphony we uh started to um do some research on how best to do this, and we approached the state of Ohio through their capital request funds that was administered at the time by Governor Kasich. Yep. And through their generosity, we were able to raise four hundred thousand dollars from the state, and then Owens Corning and the Anderson supporting fund, you know, provide the rest yep. of the funding for that. So by sitting with Wenger and creating this show, we we started to think what would be the best way to do it, and then it was a matter of um, they were submitting plans to us and Zach and I would sit down and look at them and s- figure out how we can do that along with our tech director because you know the Valentine is uh, we have performances every weekend from September through June so this not a lot of
0: time started, to build the thing huh? right and it yeah. had to
1: be adaptable we had to be able to bring it in take it out and throughout the year on a regular basis so it was a huge learning curve for all of us but one that was challenging and I truly enjoyed the process
0: so it's mm-hmm. not your typical like like bandshell type deal. I mean, this is a pretty advanced piece of equipment that you have it going is. on. What, what hap- do you have storage for it then when oh, you're not using my it? my
2: Favorite part of the story. Yeah. Is that we we try to figure out where it would go and you know it can can it's you, not in your garage? Can, is it? can <laughs> you wheel it out the back door? Well, no, the, there's a load bearing wall that's about a foot too low. Can you put it into the pit and then take it down underneath the stage? It was about six inches too 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 long. Everything was just slightly too big to use, it. and there's no extra space backstage at the Valentine uh, to you know, throw it in the corner. Because the stage needs to be used. So it was Tim Durham Mm -hmm. uh, who came up with this fantastic concept of flying the entire thing up into that storage area above the stage when it's not being used on stage. But that required a massive amount of, you know, uh, re-support within the, the walls of the Valentine. So the infrastructure itself had to be reinforced.
0: So, it's not just the, the building the shell and, and letting it fly on its own. I mean, you had to do some, some work on the theater itself to make this work.
1: We do. I have some stats for you, which I think are fascinating. Oh, we love stats. We love Bring stats. Bring them on. So. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> We work with Stephen Scenic Studios and they're an amazing company who uh, were the actual uh, 20 years ago came in to do all the theatrical preparations for the theater. They came in and it was an eight week project where they had to reinforce the stage so that it was capable of holding the shell and so the ceiling itself is almost 5000 pounds. Those are the ceiling pieces alone. The towers are about 11,000 pounds. And the counterweights to balance the towers are about 5,000 pounds. So total, we're looking at 20-some thousand pounds that this theater has to be able to hold, be able to bring in and out, roll off. And so it took eight weeks to reinforce the stage so that it was capable of doing that. And that took 373 hours of six people on stage doing that and about, uh, again, an eight-week period. And then the actual construction of the shell uh, took almost 400 hours, and that yeah. was with a crew of four people and then the winger, um, uh, director of the program, who came in. And so that was a nine-day project. So all together, it was in the entire summer. Uh, Label Electric came in and had to redo the wiring, so it was a huge, huge. Yeah, that's project. a big project. Yeah. Now,
0: Merwin and Alana, are you going to be
4: thinking about those twenty thousand or so pounds hovering thinking over your head? About <laughs> that, it's just like these. the, the ceiling panels are amazing because yeah. they they each have this ability to rise and fall, and it really helps to shape lower, not fall lower, <laughs> rise and lower. That's an excellent point. <laughs> <laughs> to to raise and lower. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, now that I know how heavy they are, I'm going to be a little more concerned watching them go up and down. But, oh, it's, but it, 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 it makes a huge difference, and,
2: and, you, and they can go up and down in in real time. So uh, and it's very smooth. They're all each on their own line set. They are powered by a different controller backstage. So, so yeah. when we were experimenting at, at our what we called the celebration, that was I think Jory's <laughs> Good turn. <one>. Um, <laughs> we uh, we saw them go up and down just to play with the acoustics you know if it's a big brassy percussion heavy work you know you might want to raise the the uh, the ceiling a little bit raise the roof um, <laughs> if it's more intimate you might want to lower the roof and it you was know? just incredible to watch these things mm-hmm. go up and down and you know the audience was ooing and eyeing at them it's just incredible and then you think about how much they weigh
0: well, right. you could make this a great selling point for this particular concert because this is the public's first chance to see the shell and hear the shell in operation at the program this Saturday. Yeah. You could say, you know, show up and see if it works. Show up and see if you know <laughs> if if it falls or if it lowers, no. one or the other. <laughs> folly. No, like it, that's not a good there. idea. No, okay. um,
2: no but it's funny though because when when we had our our celebration. Um, None of us had heard it, so no. we invited some friends to to listen and the orchestra had never performed in it they, I mean everybody was was getting together for the first time uh, for the season I hadn't seen each other since summertime so there was it was kind of old home week and new home week at the same time um, but uh, you know we, we all were excited and a little panicked what do we do if we spend all this time and all this money and more work is
0: required but fortunately it sounded amazing good yeah good well folks have their first chance to hear the shell at the valentine in action the concert is called the three b's it's happening this saturday october 12th at two in the afternoon more information at toledosymphony.com we're going to talk all about the three b's coming up, but it is fundraising time here at uh, FM 91, so we're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back with the three B's in just a few minutes. Now, if you're listening to us on the podcast version, don't forget any time is a good time to support public radio. You can find out more at wgte.org. it's salido symphony lab and we're back today we're talking about a concert that's happening at the valentine this weekend called the three b's that is the letter b the three b's is sort of like a a mythological thing in the history of classical music first came up in the uh, 1850s originally the three b's were bach beethoven and berlioz and later on berlioz was dumped in favor of johannes brahms So the sort of holy trinity of composers is Bach, who is the father, Beethoven the son, and Brahms (laughs) is the spirit. So for this concert, they've dumped Brahms. Now it's Bizet. So we've got (laughs) Bach, Beethoven, and Bizet being performed Saturday, October 12th, uh, 2 o'clock in the afternoon, with the new shell at the Valentine. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. But I thought it would be interesting if I asked each of you to supply us with a letter B composer that would be your third B. And um, uh, Jory, I know that we're going to play a little prank on your husband in a minute here. For people that don't know, you're married to David Jax, who's a composer, a longtime educator as well. So he should have an answer to this question. We're going to give him a call. Hopefully he'll answer the phone. (laughs) But before we do that, I want to go to you, Alain, and maybe you could tell us what your third B would be.
3: Oh, uh, there, there are a few. But uh, uh, just pick one. <laughs> okay, uh, the, the first one that that came to mind was Berg. Oh, Berg. Yeah, Berg. Actually, because I, you know, I love Votsek and I love the concerto. Uh, We're talking about yeah. Alban Berg. Alban who Berg. A yeah.
0: 20th century composer, sort of a disciple of Schoenberg and, and Mahler. And, and, and Mahler. <laughs> yeah. But and. but also wrote music that uh, you know a lot of casual listeners probably are not attenuated to. But That's somebody true.
3: who
4: holds a really important place. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah, the Second Viennese School. But such it's,
4: incredibly beautiful music and yeah. just incredibly well, yeah. moving. It's like now I'm kicking myself for not having thought of it. Berg <laughs> Berg's a perfect choice. Um, yeah. Well, He performed concertos.
0: that that violin yeah. concerto a yeah, exactly. couple of years ago yeah. which he wrote uh, in memory of the daughter of Alma Mahler and uh, her husband at the time who was I can't remember. Walter Gropius. Walter yep. Gropius. Gropius. Yeah. Um, well, Good choice. Okay. And Give it, you a little applause for that. It's appropriate because I, I do believe Berg died from a bee
2: sting. So to think of it as oh, a no. bee oh, composer. It's a good point. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Three bee stings. Three bee stings. Us. Or two. He was a yeah. third bee. Yeah.
0: Speaking of third bee, you're up, Zach. Well, I'm looking at a list which is quite comprehensive of uh, <laughs> yeah, just composers which Pick
2: names. your finger, and, yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. No, I'm looking it at there's I, many that I hadn't thought of. Um, but you know, I have to say that you've taken many of the composers off the table because you have the Brahms, you have the Bach, you have the Beethoven, you've taken Berlioz and Bizet now off the table. Yeah, but that, that um, still leaves 740 know, other uh, composers, as, as this wiki page is telling me. Um, <laughs> so I had uh, I had uh, Bartok, mm. uh, at Bieber, not not Justin, but Heinrich, and um, Bartok Bieber is a great name. It would be a great name. I have the Beatles, and I have you, Brad. Those are my, those are my suggestions. Flattery will
0: get you everywhere. Go, um,
2: I'm going to go with Bieber, um, Heinrich Ignaz Franz von Bieber, mm. uh, not Justin Bieber, uh, though. There's a hilarious uh, comparison of the two on uh, classic FM meme.
0: Mm. <laughs> just kidding i'm kidding he uh <laughs> so he,
2: he wrote some wonderful works uh, for violin and uh i remember uh coming upon one of his sonatas uh when i was a kid and and uh it, it was the violin was imp- it was doing an impersonation of, of cats and it was one of these you moments don't mean you
0: the andrew lloyd weber musical <laughs> right you mean like the animal
2: it was amazing. You got Mr. Mistopheles in <laughs> you, a... You, know, you laughed, you cried. <laughs> it was better than Bieber. Um, <laughs> All memories. <laughs> uh, no, it, but it was it's, just a matter of time. Yeah, uh, but you know, his ability to, to play with the sound mm-hmm. of an instrument at that mm-hmm. era, we're talking about, what, 1600s, 1700s? Yeah. Um, Didn't he write those mystery sonatas mm-hmm, or the absolutely. rosary sonatas? Yeah. Yeah.
4: Extraordinary composer too. But have you ever played any of those? Remember? I just played the Passacaglia about a month ago. Yeah, so, yeah, and and Rosary Cathedral.
0: It's really interesting, yeah. uh, soulful music.
4: Yeah, yeah. it's
0: yeah. and and you just
2: really feel like you're a composer who was ahead of his time in thinking about how to use the 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 tuning of the violin, how to use um, performance. Uh, I don't want to say antics, but to really make the expression uh, more than it probably was at the time. And um, uh, his music, it, it, as you could say about Bach at certain times, still sounds very fresh. It mm. doesn't feel like it's as old as it is. Yeah, yeah. interesting it's choice. A sort of neoclassical sound to it.
0: I'll, I'll give you my choice quickly, and then we're going to make our little phone call to uh, your husband, Jory. Uh, my choice is another Bach uh, person, and That's that would not be. That's not fair. Well, it's totally there fair. There are seventeen <laughs> of them, <laughs> so that gives me a, a wide, you know, selection to choose from. <laughs> but I would choose C.P.E. Bach, mm-hmm. and I only say that because when you listen to his music, especially his symphonies or his string yeah. symphonies, he is wildly inventive and and interesting, and has all these little gestures that just come out of nowhere. This is sort of like. You know, amplified Haydn. That sense of humor that Haydn had, and unpredictability that was Mm -hmm. in his music, Mm -hmm. you really hear that throughout the works of C. P. E. Bach. And as I mentioned, his symphonies, in particular, I think, have these interesting little twists and turns. Mm -hmm. That you think, gosh, that you know, there's no wonder that he had such a big influence on other classical Mm -hmm. era composers. He would have preceded Haydn, though, right? Yeah, I mean, I'm just talking about the the spirit of Haydn, right? He
4: reflects that as well. Hmm. Just like Bieber reflects the spirit of cats. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. No, but it's true. It's true. Yeah.
0: yeah. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you all agree. (laughs) (laughs) Good to know. I'm surprised you didn't choose (laughs) P.D. (laughs) Bach. No. No, although that would have been a good choice, too. Okay, the three Bs. Looking for a third B. Um, let's do a little experiment, Jory. We were talking during the break about uh, your third B, and you said, "Well, you know, you're married to a composer, so you you sh- are sure that he has plenty of three Bs on tap." So we're going to call him up. He doesn't know that we're calling, right? No. Nope, so hopefully, does not he's going to answer the phone. Let me um, bring up our phone there. Let me dial the number you gave me. I'll try not Should to say it out loud. Class,
1: but oh, his name on. does not
0: begin with a B, though. <laughs> you have to answer, Jory. Oh, Okay. Can we page him at the school?
4: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for calling. Started. This is David Jex. Please leave me a message.
0: Hi, David. This is Brad Cresswell. I'm here with uh, your wife, Jory, and we're doing Toledo Symphony Lab, and we thought it'd be fun to get you on the air with us, but you're obviously teaching or doing something much more important than what we had planned for you. So, uh, okay. Thanks. Bye. Everybody say goodbye.
1: Bye. Bye
0: so that was a no-go with David. We'll have to try it again sometime. But that means that, Jory, you're on the spot, so you have to come up with a third B
3: now. Oh,
1: I need to call a friend. Um, <laughs> this is when you bring the theater major into the lab, and i like, could we talk well, Shakespeare?
3: Uh, well, yeah. Britain. B- R- Britain. There Britain, you go. Shakespeare, Britain. There you go. Yeah, there Benjamin Britton. Thank you, you saved yeah. me. Okay.
4: Midsummer
0: Night's Dream,
2: which <laughs> is a great
0: opera. Yeah. What are we going to do with Britain after Brexit? I don't know, be, be Brixit. <laughs> <laughs> Just do the War Requiem every day. Yeah. Oh. yeah, something like that. Yeah. Okay, Merwin, what's your third B?
4: Well, I had a... S- slight inkling that Alain might actually choose this composer, but I was wrong, so um, I'm going to go with Lily Boulanger, a composer who we've discussed quite a bit um, already on this show, but a composer that we both really um, venerate. She had uh, just a tragically short career, but um, she was the sister of the noted pedagogue, um, Nadia Boulanger, and she had this incredibly unique voice. Um, she writes choral music, you know, and I I'm I have to say I'm not normally somebody who listens a lot to choral music, and I just find that her voice in that realm in particular is incredibly unique, and we're discussing, um, hopefully doing some more kind of like sizable pieces of hers with the symphony in the future. Yeah, uh,
0: she died very young, yeah, right? Absolutely.
4: So there's hardly any music of hers that is extant. We've done two of her brief kind of orchestral preludes um, in the last couple of seasons. Uh, I've played a couple of her short pieces for violin and piano, which I think were also kind of transcribed for flute as well. But most of her work is choral. Yeah.
0: You want to say something, Zach? Yeah, I just want to think about all the B composers that we didn't name. Well, I was going to say, we're going to do a lightning round. You each get a second choice, so your okay. fourth B, okay? <laughs> all right. <laughs> okay. Lightning round, fourth B, Elaine. Oh, Bartok. <laughs> Bartok. What do you say, Zach? I'd say Barber. What yeah. do you say, Jory?
4: Leonard Bernstein. <laughs> oh, good. oh no. good for you. Why didn't we think of that? <laughs> uh, uh, Bernstein was going to be my choice. <laughs> I, okay. I totally... Uh, Go for it. Yes. Um... I'm going to go with PDQ Bach then. No. Uh, <laughs> I'll go with Arnold Bax. Back's a yeah, yeah. um, wonderful um, um, symphonist, uh, great tone poems, wrote a beautiful violin, three beautiful violin sonatas, but loved the third.
0: I'm going to go with uh, uh, Elmer Bernstein. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, one more round. Let's one go more round. round. Yeah. Whoa, okay. Uh, we uh, can play this game until you can't think of a B name, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Uh, Zach is pulling up his Wikipedia. Uh, yeah, yeah.
3: <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I had Berlioz, but uh, but you mentioned it before. Yeah. Mentioned before I would
0: cho- I would have chosen Berlioz. Yeah. because he was just crazy.
3: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Berlioz.
0: I mean, from 1830 on, you know, oh. <laughs> <it> was, <laughs> I know the music changed forever. Absolutely. Bruckner. That Brochner. was where I was going. Oh, you're going Bruckner. So I, I just this is like watching
2: the draft and wondering yeah. why somebody hasn't been drafted yet. Yeah. Bruckner went uh, yeah, into the third right. round.
3: <laughs> yeah, that's
0: another game we can
2: think. I- of. I'm
3: waiting for the sixth round to get my quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> do fantasy composer football.
0: Jory, you got another be a lot there fun. somewhere?
1: I'm kind of uh, cheating off of Zach's list here, but uh, <laughs> William Byrd. William Byrd. William Byrd.
0: Elizabethan-era composer, English Renaissance. Yeah. Can you name any William Byrd compositions? Like
1: and I will defer to
4: Merwin. Uh, ca- <laughs> Some sort of magical must have happened. we got to right? call up David again. The, the yeah. magical magical. There you go. We're, we're just biding our time until your husband calls <laughs> Come on, Dave. Um, so I think for me, i go with Ernst Bloch, a bit of no. an Ohio connection. Um, he actually no. emigrated from Europe to Ohio to be the founding mm. director of the Cleveland Institute of Music and wow. wrote these wonderful pieces for strings he just had a great voice for strings um the Shalomo for cello is beautiful yeah he's
0: done uh king solomon yeah Yeah. Yeah. beautiful stuff well i mean we should probably bring it to a close because we can talk three Bs all day long, four Bs, five Bs. <laughs> We're I think we some got to How do we to the number three? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we we lost that there. Yeah, <laughs> we have to expand that list? Well, the concert is happening uh, Saturday afternoon. It's called the Three Bs. It's happening at the Valentine Theater, October twelfth at two o'clock in the afternoon. More information at ToledoSymphony.com. Don't forget, it's your first chance to see the big new shell in action and to hear it in action at the uh, Valentine Theater. We're going to take a break for our fundraiser, and then we'll come back and we'll talk about uh, the shell, talk about the Valentine, a little more. I also have a Valentine quiz for all of you. Anytime is a good time to support public radio, and you can do that right now by going online to our website at WGTE.org. And thanks. music of Beethoven there in the background from the Piano Concerto Number 3, the Rondo Movement. That's one of the pieces that are being performed by the Toledo Symphony at their Three B's concert, Beethoven being one B. The other B is Bach, and the third B is Bizet. We've already heard about our own third B's, but one thing that we didn't do was talk about some of the music that's going to be on this actual concert. I wonder if... uh, somebody wants to take the lead and tell us what's going to be i just remember
2: thinking about this concert is we didn't know what the hall would sound like so what should we perform so i think that there's you know a, a a bach orchestra a little bit smaller um beethoven we want to see what a concerto would sound like big romantic beethoven concerto and then um uh, a symphony by bizet uh, underperformed symphony by bizet i'd say and um, really, to test the
0: dynamic range of this space, so I'm, I'm yeah. very, very pleased. So you knew that the shell was going to be there before you planned the repertoire, right? We actually wow. hoped that the shell was going to be there a year ago, but
2: uh, <laughs> you know,
0: construction and fundraising delays have yeah. their way. Yeah. Well, we heard that story in the first part of our podcast today, talking about it. Elaine, you're conducting the concert, yes, absolutely. Right? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Is it that often that you get a chance to conduct like these Bach orchestral suites?
3: Uh, well. Uh, in, in the the previous incarnation of this series uh, we would program something like the Bach, like, yeah. uh, like Zack uh, said but we would never go like too much forward in the the repertoire like like uh, uh, repertoire that's more in the romantic era because of course we had to keep it to a minimal number of musicians because the space, n- not the space on stage but the sonic space uh, and we didn't have a shell of course mm. and uh, that that really created the problem for people he- uh, hearing uh, each other on stage because uh, in the hall is one thing but also we need to to be able to hear each other on stage. yeah, And, and now when we had our first uh, little tryout with everybody there, everybody heard the first note for the first time musicians and public alike. Uh, it was an incredible revelation for everybody. Everybody was so excited in the orchestra. They still are. We've been talking about it for two weeks now. Yeah. So th- there's a big buildup for us going there. And uh, of course, last year when they saw that I programmed the Bizet Symphony, now, the, the Bizet symphony is, uh, is uh, you know, Bach and Beethoven, we know. But Bizet is always like, oh, why, why would a you... He's the third man out, out here. Yeah, I know. Yeah. But it's, uh, like Zach like said, it's underperformed. It's the music of a genius. He wrote this, he was 16. Very sixteen. Young. yeah. You know, and finished it, he was 17. But he wrote most of it when he was, uh, you know, 16 as a teenager. And... And this is very fresh, of course, fresh music, and it's very virtuosic, but you, can, you have to have a good environment to play it. It's basically like the last movement is a first uh, violin, like the, the whole first violin section concerto. is <laughs> really yeah. very, very demanding. And if it's in an um, acoustic that's very dry, it makes it very difficult, like walking on eggshell. But with the, the shell, with the new sound, basically it's a new hall. Like for us, basically, it's like we're we're entering a new space that never existed before. And boom! It's there. It's uh, yeah. it's that, it's that transfer. That the transformation is that big. So f- everybody's very excited to play it. It went from being very tentative when it was programmed last year, but of course we had the vision. We said, well, no, no. Next year is going to be a really good sounding stage and good sounding hall. And now when we played, uh, that's why I had the, in the, the rehearsal that we did for the public, there was a part that was public and there was a part that was private after. And the part that was private, I did a little bit of the adagietto from Mahler 5 to to have the strings played together. And we did some of the bise already. Yeah. Yeah, so that two weeks ago. Just to hear... What it would feel like, what it would sound like. And already you could see people, the shoulders coming down. Okay, this is going to be fine. <laughs> <There's> <laughs> so a sense it's of relief. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, an yeah. excitement, even more than right. relief. It's a like total excitement. So I, I, it's a good counterpart if you have Bach that is also very festive. I want to have something very festive to open. And the orchestra suites are very festive to open those first movements. And, and they're some of my favorite music. The last two suites are incredible, harmonically. And they're just and also the, the the tunes that they have in them yeah. are like you know and and then after that we go to Bizet and finish with Beethoven and for Beethoven we have one of the really really great pianists of the this generation, who just uh, he was one of the the youngest uh, finalists he came in second at the Chopin competition, and Warsaw that's a big 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 deal and we're very um you know part of my our, my job is to scout <laughs> and to see how can we get them before they they, they hit the big 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 time and that uh, they're not affordable anymore before, yeah <laughs> before the paycheck goes yeah, well, uh, through before, the roof exactly and be, before they sign with a huge agency and we we're pretty good at that the uh, ruin does a great job and uh, we we you know we work and we got this uh Charles Richard Hamelin. He's going to be fantastic in Beethoven's third concerto. Again, something we wouldn't have played before in that uh, environment.
0: Yeah. yeah. Well, that's interesting to hear about all those pieces. I mean, that Bizet Symphony will probably be familiar to people. I mean, it's mm-hmm. something that is, I play it fairly often on the yeah. radio when I have a chance. Uh, remarkable that he was so young when he wrote it, it's still a student. Yeah. Uh, was it ever performed during his lifetime? I don't know that it ever mm. was, actually. Good question. Good question. Yeah, because it, w- it was not something that people looked at and thought, oh, this is the work of a genius. I mean, it was like his term paper, and it ended up being filed away somewhere for a long time. So It was a piece, I remember, that Stokowski would really champion. He was yeah. very, very happy
2: about that piece. And um, the slow movement... At least under his baton, always sounded to me like uh, incidental music from an opera. You could tell that Bizet was going to go on and write operas. Yeah, right? he was headed in that direction. It's definitely. just, uh, yeah, it's 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 lovely music, uh, but it, it feels like it's
0: a it's a prelude to things that will come. Yeah, yeah, totally. I do have a quiz, Jory. You don't know this, but we have a theme music for our quiz. <laughs> Speaking of Beethoven. <clears throat> Okay. This is just a, a quick little quiz. It, it's called The History of the Valentine. Jory, you have to wait until everybody else gets a chance to answer, right? Understood. And then and that way. You have to get them all right. Yes. <laughs> a little pressure. <laughs> that's right. We can always edit it later. Right? <laughs> the History of the Peristyle quiz. <laughs> I truly apologize for that. Oh, no, that's okay. That's okay. It's your first time, I understand.
1: (laughs) I was nervous.
0: History of the Valentine quiz. Okay. Who was the Valentine Theater named for? This is a multiple choice. Okay. Was it Rudolph Valentino? Was it St. Valentine? Or was it Valentine Ketchum? (laughs) Which one? You Uh, say three? Yep. Yeah, good one. Named for Valentine Ketchum, actually built by his... Son George Ketchum.
4: Oh, uh, the, I thought it was Ash Ketchum. Who was the son? <laughs> <laughs> no, the, no Pokemon fans here. Just no. me. I have, <laughs> have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> okay. We take one point away
2: from Merwin, so he's negative one right now. <laughs> <laughs> negative one, and Zach plus that one. That means you're almost caught up. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay. The Valentine first opened its doors on Christmas night in 1895. What was the production? Was it a Christmas carol? Rip Van Winkle or Hansel and Gretel? Which of those? Jory, don't be telling people what it is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go for she's two. She's
3: giving you, she's giving you clues. Yeah, we're she's all going to go for number two. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> LA has, uh, has Wikipedia up right now. I just hey. To that out.
3: No, you can't do that. <laughs> I know nothing. That. No, that's my line. Okay,
0: number two, Rip Van Winkle. Yeah, I right? that
2: he said it because if he asked me
0: what number two was, I wouldn't be able <laughs> No, no. I'm taking a point away. Okay. Here's another question. Uh, uh, Valentine Ketchum's son George Ketchum actually built a theater, and among other things that he did uh, in town, he owned a local professional baseball team. What were they called? Were they the Toledo Mud Hens? Were they the Toledo Tornadoes? Or were they the Toledo Mommies? One, two, or three?
4: Let's go with the Tornadoes.
3: Oh, that no, so not possible. the Tornadoes. Well, let's go with the Mommies.
4: Ah. <laughs> Do you even know what a mommy is?
0: Uh, it's an alternative to a papa. Okay. Oh. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
0: That's much better than what I had.
4: Wait. Wait, okay. Where's the sad trombone sound effect when you need it?
0: That's the very sad trombone. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bass trombone. Yeah. Okay, how many seats are in the current Valentine Theater? Are there 900 seats, 901 seats, or 902 seats? Oh wow. 901. 901. <laughs> 901. It makes sense that you guys would know that. But my question is, where is that that odd seat? I mean, well, is, is there just like a, just like a seat up in the balcony somewhere? It's for uh, the
4: Phantom. I
0: never thought. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> Jory, you're, you're the executive director. Who in the world thought it was a good idea? To have that one extra seat.
1: I know, I completely understand. We talk about that a lot.
2: Yeah. See, <laughs> so this way they can say,
0: look, at the Valentine, we have more than 900
4: seats. More than oh, 900 seats. That's it.
0: <laughs> That's it. And you can also say to somebody, you know, you're sitting in the special seat. It doesn't matter what seat they're sitting in. You can say, you're in the 901st <laughs> or
4: 901st. <laughs> Wow, I can't (laughs) wait till we get to 901 episodes. (laughs) You'll be like thrown. (laughs) My my four-year-old would have gotten that one right.
2: I'll be be (laughs) 900 by then. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
0: you know, that's what we do here. All right. When it was built, the Valentine Theater had a very distinctive feature. What was this distinctive feature? feature about Had the building itself <laughs> besides <laughs> one extra seat and, and it can be any number of these actually i'm just going to put a few out there Was it was it hot water baths a cantilevered balcony incandescent lights any all one two three which of those do you think
4: let's go for all of the above Yay! All, of
0: all of the above <laughs> all right. They, had, they built a whole bunch of dressing rooms. I think there were 18 dressing rooms that all had hot, running hot water for a bath.
3: Wow.
0: They had incandescent lights, which were not which were a luxury mm-hmm. at the time, and especially the cantilevered balcony, which, as you know, a cantilevered balcony is a balcony that, that comes out doesn't need columns. Right. Mm. So they weren't blocking people's view. Although the architect who actually designed that balcony wouldn't let his family sit underneath it <laughs> he, he would he sat underneath it himself you know he, true. He, so he uh i'm glad you're here joey to, to see these guys never believe when i had come up with these questions that, that are true so now i've got you here to <laughs> vouch for me to
1: vouch and that was the second one in the country that was edward Fallis. Mm-hmm. so no. it was the second cant- cantilevered and the first one being in chicago yeah mm-hmm. We would love to be able to tell them 125 years later. You did a great job.
2: Yeah, yeah. You can still sit under it.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Still sit under it. Amazing, and it's never fallen down, right? No, no. <laughs> <laughs> it You're Like, don't even speak of such things. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an extra credit related to that question. Um, there was something unique about the seating arrangement, the arrangement of the seats in the Valentine at the time. Can you tell me what it was? Not multiple choice. Just see if you can. This they, is, this is extra credit. Um,
2: they swiveled.
0: No, they, not that they, they swiveled. They
2: Had the thing that you stand up and it they collapse.
0: <laughs> they collapse or you collapse? Well, no,
2: the thing the the seat. Uh, I understand
0: the, the, the this retractable your, your, seats or whatever yeah, they're. Well, what, what do you call? I, I don't think so. I don't know, it, but mm, according to my information, oh, I know. they
2: had they had armrests. No, they had uh, <laughs> cup, cup, holders. <laughs> 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 cup holders. No, <laughs> they no, were. I think this know, is like 1890s. They we're, were padded talking here. padded seats.
0: No, they actually arranged the seats more or less in rows. You had the seats in rows instead of like very Columns? curved. Oh, okay. So that basically you, people's views again were not obstructed, right? Hmm. I didn't know. Yeah. Didn't know.
2: Okay, so Jory Joy didn't know that. It cannot be true. That's okay. <laughs> I I'm, I may have made it up. <laughs>
0: Okay, during the 1970s, the Valentine briefly played host to which local organization? Was it the Toledo Symphony, the Toledo Ballet, or WGTE? 1970s? In the 1970s, Mm -hmm. yeah.
2: No, not the symphony. I'm going to go
0: with WGTE. (laughs) WGTE, the TV station at the time, was in the Valentine for a a little while there. Mm -hmm. Last question. I know you're breathing a sigh of relief. <laughs> Valentine Theater was famously uh, renovated in the 1990s, as we talked about. Went through like a 21-year, I, I believe, planning period yep. to renovate the theater to its current state. What was the first organization to perform at the Valentine Theater after its grand reopening? Was it Toledo Opera, Toledo Ballet, or Toledo Symphony? Which of those three I put would on a show? say probably the opera. Yay! Good,
2: but don't ask me which one. <laughs> they did Tosca, actually. Rip Van Winkle. Actually, it was <laughs> Rip Van Winkle. <laughs> <laughs> you know but the that opera. Wasn't the, that wasn't the opening concert, wasn't it? Like uh,
0: um, they did a gala. Yeah, it had and, gala. And, and it was, but uh, the first performing organization to put on a show there after the renovation was Toledo Opera. Yeah, and they did not do Bizet or Baccarini or Baird. <laughs> they a production of Lulu for the grand opening. I mean, i got to say how much fun it is for
2: us to think about this as a, a great acoustic for symphonic music now, but it's always been a great opera
0: house. Mm-hmm. It's so amazing mm-hmm. to see live opera there. Yeah. Well, uh... I think that uh, we have just a little bit of time left, so I'm going to give you a a final word if anybody wants to talk about uh, what's happening with the concert, especially in regards to the show, which is kind of a, you know, this is probably the biggest architectural development in the history of the theater Mm -hmm. since the end of the uh, 1990s. Anybody have a last word about that? I would say that it, it adds this
2: sense of sparkle to the performance that um, you could argue doesn't exist at any of the places that the symphony performs. And I moved around the hall a lot when we did our our trial rehearsal there. And um, the upper frequencies just sang to the point where uh, Nancy Lendry, my wonderful harpist, uh, was playing the harp in a bit of Tchaikovsky. And uh, Kirk Toth asked Alain if it was miked. just Mm. blossomed so much. Mm. Um, At points the triangle was way too loud because we're used to playing so loudly to have the sound come out into the house and it's going to be a little bit of a, a learning process for us to let the house do the heavy lifting and it's well, and that's going to be
0: a, a, your job at least yes, a lot of that
3: finding yeah, I, the balance yeah. w- which we did already in the second part of that, uh, yeah. that rehearsal we changed people around we moved them around and uh, yeah, and in the back, we opened a little bit the doors next to the percussion just to yeah. let a bit of sound go. Through. You put
0: the mute on the triangle. <laughs> <and> <laughs> <laughs> no,
3: no, but you know, we the one thing, if I have only one thing to say, that, is that this is a really big deal. It's yeah. a big, big deal, game changer, big, big deal, and everybody should come and hear it.
0: And, and people will definitely notice oh, your
3: completely. audience. Completely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah.
4: I think it's one of those things where if you're kind of. If you've never had the chance to really like test drive a really powerful vehicle, and you go, wait, well, this vehicle gets me from point A to point B just fine. And then you test drive the other one. (laughs) Oh, oh, that's why people buy these things. (laughs) And like all of a sudden, there's so much of an ease and a comfort to be able to. To produce the volume of sound that you're hoping for in your mind's eye and mind's ear, I guess. And then yeah. you're able to just produce that without effort. And it's really just liberating. So it's so much fun to be able to play that. I,
0: I would do the same analogy, but use wine. You know, yeah. mm-hmm. it's like when you're, you're used to drinking $5 wine, you know, all your life, and all of a sudden you get a $50 bottle, you're like, whoa, where have you been all my life? <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> I'd also like to thank the, uh, the theater technicians and the acousticians who came through and they worked so hard this summer. And for our folks um, who are uh, work with us throughout the year, they did say to me that it was an incredible experience and one that many folks don't have the opportunity to have yeah. to be able. And I, I guess I was a little naive when those big trucks pulled up. I thought a lot of the shell would be constructed and we just had to load it in. But no, it came in boxes with millions and millions of pieces. They literally put it together at screw by, Screw, and they said it was uh, it it was an incredible challenge and a wonderful learning experience.
0: I imagine yeah. how many yeah. Allen wrenches were
4: used. Oh, it's not, it's not <laughs> I don't know. Yet. I want to see
0: the directions. Want, did they have directions in French too, just in case? <laughs> they do. They
1: actually Wenger sends a gentleman out who just directs it every single step of the way, yeah. and wow. he goes from um, theater to theater doing this. So. You, you
0: didn't see him holding the paper and staring at it, and then turning it upside down. <laughs> turning it you?
1: upside <laughs> down. Right.
0: Anything like that? No,
1: No. but it was it was amazing. So it was, um, yeah, it was an educational and artistic achievement, and uh, we thank everyone involved.
2: And it's beautiful.
1: And it's beautiful. Zach and I picked out the colors, and boy, were we nervous. But we did okay. (laughs) It's like
2: decorating your living room forever. (laughs) Yeah,
0: twenty years worth of living room decoration. Okay, well. I think we'll bring it to a close now. Again, the concert is happening at the Valentine Theater this Saturday, October 12th, 2 o'clock in the afternoon. More information at ToledoSymphony.com. Music of Bach and Bizet and Beethoven on the program, The Three Bs. This program is a production of WGTE Public Media in collaboration with our sponsor, The Toledo Symphony, with generous support from the Rita Barber Kern Foundation. You can download episodes of this program as a podcast by going to our website at wgte.org slash lab. You can also subscribe to us through your podcast app of choice, including Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. Don't forget, you can check out all the upcoming events at the Symphony by visiting their website, ToledoSymphony.com. Also check out the various social media outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. My thanks to Zach Vassar, Alain Trudel, Merwin Sue, and our special guest, Jory Jex. I'm Brad Cresswell, and you've been listening to Toledo Symphony Lab from FM91.